G'day mate, 40 here. Oh, what an intense weekend in Israel, apparently within five minutes of the attacks beginning by Hamas against uh, southern Israel. Orthodox Jews in LA were hearing about it, so it was both a Shabbat and Jewish holiday, Shemini Atzeret. But uh, even though Orthodox Jews are not supposed to use electronics, uh, some do in cases like this, quietly, or someone who does hears about it, and then Alaska non-Jews to give them the news. So, Simchat uh, Torah is uh, one of those rare Jewish holidays that, uh, that that Orthodox Jews frequently celebrate publicly. Right? They, they dance with the Torah you know, for some time in a public street, and uh, Pico Boulevard was closed off between. Say Robertson and Doheny, I believe, or was scheduled to be closed off during that time to celebrate Simchat Torah, to dance with the Torah. But due to the events in Israel, that was shut down. So it's my experience walking around with a yarmulke. About five to ten times more likely to get strangers' comments about Jews and the Jewish state when the Jewish state is at war than when not. So there are many wonderful things about having a Jewish state that can you know, advocate and fight for uh, Jews around the world. But with all good things, there's always a downside. So the downside is you know, anything the Jewish state does, uh, Jews around the world are going to bear the consequences. But I primarily want to talk about frame games. So I used docs in the colloquial, not the literal sense. Frame Games was a public commentator in 2016, 17, 18, and he was outright adjacent, uh, openly Jewish, but he kept his name and identity and face hidden. But uh, Brandy Zadrozny at NBC News finally revealed who he is. He's uh, Mike Benz, former State Department official who advocates for uh, internet freedom which was a big crusade of uh, frame games back in the, in the day. So it's kind of amusing that the guy who's frame game radio right, uh, went on to be a, a State Department official. And then be incredibly influential now. So he's very good at framing, very smart guy. And when you watch his videos, you see a lot of the similarities between what he did as Frame Game and what he's doing now on behalf of internet freedom. Uh, a lot of other similarities. So, in his rejoinder to Brandy's Drosny's article, he says that uh, you know, back in the day he was part of a of a group de-radicalization effort, and uh, pretty sure he was just one guy. Right? I never had any sense that there was a group behind him. And there was a, a Twitter group right, that was frequently actively hostile to him, a Twitter group of alt-right adjacent Jews who thought that he was too 
you know, unnecessarily critical and over the top critical of Jews. And, but, you know, frame game. Uh, did not like this group. Many members of the group did not like him. And they would mock his lack of Jewish education. So, in his bizarre rejoinder to Brandy Zadrozny's report, he starts off by saying, I'm a proud Jew and the child of, uh, or descendant of Holocaust survivors. Uh, I thought it was a very weak response. I noticed the life that almost anyone who's actually leading a Jewish life, you know, studying traditional Jewish texts and observing traditional Jewish commandments, uh, you know, it really bothers, if, if ever, to say, yeah, I'm a proud Jew. It's something that you say to compensate for, for something such as lack of knowledge and lack of practice. So he does seem extremely ignorant of uh, Judaism that always shone through. So now in his rejoinder post, he says that, uh, you know, I was taught in Hebrew school, the word Moshe means messenger. No, it doesn't. The word Moshe means uh, savior. Uh, the word Navi means messenger, prophet. Uh, so he just keeps getting elementary Jewish things wrong. And uh, so now he poses as the head of this electronic foundation, but one gets the sense that this electronic foundation is primarily just him. And uh, so we get the sense that he didn't run by his rejoinder past anybody. Because if he'd just shared that with some people, they would have you know, helped him avoid, I think, the, the mistakes that he made in his rejoinder. There's nothing that was unethical, underhanded, dirty, dastardly about what Brandy Zadrozny did on Mike Benz. It was a legitimate by the numbers work of journalism, reporting. I find journalism a pretentious term, but she just did solid reporting. Now, as befits this type of, well, as is the custom with this type of report, she doesn't mention any of the the brave, funny, true, edgy, uh, you know, good work that uh, Frame Game did under his Frame Game persona. You know, she only focuses on that which would be most abhorrent and repellent to a normie. But you know, I had Frame Game on my show probably about five times. He had some smart, interesting, and uh, you know, sometimes truthful things to say. I, overall, you know, he was hyperbolic, you know, overly dramatic. Uh, uh, somewhat conspiratorial. But, I mean, I really enjoyed talking to him. We, we differed in many ways. Uh, I immediately accepted the Kaufner's critique of Kevin McDonald's work. Uh, Frame Game did not. Because if he had accepted it, it would have undercut much of his, his own work and would have shown him as someone who's gone off somewhat half-cocked. So the threat to his ego and to his standing, to his status and his prestige and his platform and to his work was too much that he couldn't accept the obvious truths of Nathan Kaufman's careful scholarly critique. So frame game radio is not a scholar and he's not someone who optimizes for truth. Right? He, 
you know, admittedly someone who optimizes for making a difference, making a change. He's an activist. And so he believes in saying anything, doing anything to you know, make a change in the world. So if that requires lying, you know, whatever it takes. So he had a more whatever it takes attitude than I did. Uh, he, he had a much higher opinion of the historian David Irving than I did. Yet no one, no one Hobbes versus Frame Game was peak content. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Uh, frame Game is amazing at the way he frames things. He's incredibly compelling. He's a lot like Tucker Carlson, that he frames things in a way that uh, is compelling and exciting. On the other hand, he does not optimize for truth. So that's, that's a big downside with his, his type of approach. So I remember Frame Game would be you know, much more hostile towards the establishment than I was, much more hostile towards the established elites. At the same time, more credulous when they would say things that would align with his narratives. So he bought into US Census Bureau data about US demographics where the game is rigged. So if someone identifies you know, as 1 16th black and 15 16th white, they accounted solely as black in the US Census Bureau. So US Census Bureau greatly exaggerates the flight from white. And because it, you know, fit with his, his narrative, you know, he would proclaim US Census data as, you know, God's gospel truth. So I believe in you know, skepticism both towards establishment, establishment sources, elites, and towards the anti-establishment, <laughs> the critics and the, the dissidents both need considerable amounts of skepticism. What do you know about Mike Benz's network of Jews infiltrating the alt-right? I, I don't, strongly do not believe there was any such thing. There's never evidence of that. Um, trying to steer them away from JQ. Frame Game did not try to steer people away from the JQ. Right? The only person that Luke liked more than Richard Spencer was Frame Game Radio. Yeah, this is probably true. I, I really liked Frame Game Radio. Had my differences with him, but really liked him. But uh, Frame Game was hostile to that uh, Twitter group of alt-right adjacent Jews who found him overly anti-Jewish. So I never saw the slightest bit of evidence that there was any kind of group behind Frame Game. Everything he did, everything he said, everything he produced struck me as a solo effort. Can you remember anything he said or did, produced, created, put online that at all struck one as having you know, a group component? I can recall nothing. His work was clearly the work of a solo practitioner. There's no group behind him. And you know, the alt-right right adjacent Jews, he generally had a hostile reaction towards. He was much more friendly with the, with the alt-right than he was with the, generally speaking, the alt-right adjacent Jews who did not go as far as he did 
in pushing an uh, anti-Jewish power narrative. So, I thought Frank Gaines' response to Brandy's addressing was, was just particularly weak. Thank you. Like it was self-pitying. Uh, it was both self-pitying and self-aggrandizing. Like he was talking about you know, how influential and powerful he was and at the same time you know, how oppressed and beaten down he was about uh, supposedly Brandy's really poor journalism. But it was just basic reporting. So in his response to the doxing, you know, Mike Pence said a lot of ridiculous things, which again shows me that his quote-unquote foundation is just Mike Benz, because if he'd run his response by anybody, they would have given him you know, some valuable feedback so he wouldn't have made a fool of himself. Uh, yeah, so he argues in his response that he was part of a group effort by Jews to uh, uh, de-radicalize people. Now, I, I saw absolutely no evidence for that. Uh, now, Frem Game was not alt-right in the sense he did not want an ethno-state. He was, he was a, opposed, he wouldn't go, go that far. But there was, there was no effort to de-radicalize people. He wanted to empower and strengthen people to advocate for their group, one particular group. So, no, Ricardo, you put under Stephen J. James's stream that uh, Frame Game was a psyop. He was no more a psyop than you or me or anyone else. Every living thing tries to create an environment around it that is most conducive to its thriving. I mean, you would think that any living thing would try to do that. So Frame Game tried to create an environment around him that was most conducive to his thriving. I try to create an environment around me that's most conducive to my thriving. But we're all trying to you know, make real our own hero systems, the way we see the world, and what we believe will be most conducive to our own thriving. So there was no uh, psyop going on with frame game beyond you know, normal, normal human levels of trying to create a conducive environment. So he's undoubtedly very smart, and his whole thing is framing, right? And he's very good at that. And he's very exciting and compelling to listen to. Like, even now, you watch, you watch some of his Electronic Freedom Foundation videos, and they're, they're compelling. But it's clear he does not optimize for truth. Sometimes one can get so caught up in one's own ability to frame things that you get a little detached from reality, which I think happened to Frame Game. He got, I think he developed an exaggerated sense of his own powers because he had so much success. And people were telling him that he was great. And he tried to frame away this Brandy as a Drosny critique. I don't think he did it effectively. 
uh, compare frame games efforts to what Richard Hananya did. So Richard Hananya just came out and said, yeah, I, I wrote a lot of things that I regret. I had an attitude towards life back then that I regret, and I'd like to think that I've grown up and I've improved. And uh, Richard Hananya apparently has taken uh, no significant hit from these revelations. doesn't appear to have taken any hit, like his book still got published. He didn't seem to have lost the plot getting widely interviewed. I've seen many reviews of his book. So I think Richard Hananya got the tone right, got the apology right, that he handled this unpleasant situation with as much grace and as much realism as possible. And uh, I don't think Mike Ben's got it right. You could probably learn from Richard Hananya's response. Also, these are the dangers of uh, posting online anonymously. Right? You don't use the same care and discretion that you would if you are operating under your own real name. If Frame Game Radio wasn't a psyop, why does he say he was? Because it's not more preferable to portray your work as a psyop is like having a Mossad-like quality than what he was, which was um, you know, beyond just a white advocate, you know, close to the, to the alt-right nationalist brand. And uh, he's trying to frame himself, he's trying to position himself as something more socially acceptable. It's socially acceptable to run a PSYOP against the alt-right, it's not socially acceptable to say many of the things that he said. If he'd said them under his real name back then, he'd have had to be much more careful, much more nuanced, and would have had to pay a much heavier price. But sometimes when you try to avoid paying a price in the present moment, you create a much bigger price for yourself down the road. I'm not inherently opposed or have any inherent negative feelings towards anonymity online. I think anonymity online does as many good things as it does bad things. Well, that's my general impression. So I'm open to an argument. So good people can use anonymity online to do good things. And people predisposed to the bad will probably use anonymity online to do bad things. But it does create all sorts of dangerous temptations. It can unmoor a person from his foundations. So if I say anything wacky, you know, I hear about it from people in my real life. Everything I ever did online was for good. To say otherwise is hate speech. <laughs> So this uh, Hamas attack was amazing. I, I can't believe that they pulled it off. I can't believe how incompetent the, Israeli, the Israelis were. I don't believe this was an intelligence failure, even though all the official sources say there was no intelligence warning, this was an intelligence failure. But this is where I'll go against all the mainstream news reports and all the official sources, establishment sources. There's no way this was intelligence failure. If you comb through 
intelligence reports, you will find, I guarantee you, reports saying that, you know, Hamas is planning an attack and the powers that be, including politicians and higher people higher up in the Shin Bet and the IDF, they refuse to believe or give credence to these reports. But almost always what's called intelligence failure is a political failure by people trying to enhance their own status and power. And so they deny what's bleedingly obvious to people who actually know what they're talking about. So that's one way I'll go against the conventional narrative on this war. Uh, second, I think Moscow is a much bigger player here. So Hamas regularly went to Moscow, met with leading Russian defense officials. And this is good for Putin because the United States was taking billions of dollars worth of munitions and arms from Israel, sending them to Ukraine. And now the US will have to start doing that. So Putin gets to distract the United States from arming Ukraine. This would also be a great time for China to try to take back Taiwan. The US is going to be stretched thin trying to supply Israel and Ukraine. Uh, Putin has been stoking all sorts of conflicts to throw off balance his enemies. So he stoked the conflict in Azerbaijan versus Armenia, of Nagorno-Karabakh. He's stoking this conflict with Hamas versus Israel. And it shows that Israel was justified all along in being highly suspicious of allying itself with Ukraine and providing arms to Ukraine. So Peter Zion made a video saying, oh, Ukraine immediately showed its support for Israel after the Hamas attacks, and maybe Israel will rethink its lack of support for Ukraine. But this is precisely why Israel is always highly dubious about the negative consequences of arming Ukraine, because Israel does not want to unnecessarily provoke Russia. Russia is still a formidable power. It can create alliances and proxies like Hamas that can wreak this vast amount of damage. So I'm not at all sure that this Hamas attack on southern Israel would have occurred if the United States had not been so heavily subsidizing Ukraine. So there are going to be all sorts of negative effects due to the US being so in bed with Ukraine. And we won't see them, all the negative effects, immediately or obviously. But now, you know, Putin is strongly incentivized to create as much trouble for the United States as possible. And uh, China will be looking to pounce as uh, the US gets stretched thin to be continued.